Let's talk connection podcast network listeners. Welcome inside the Wrestling Warzone or Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series episode number 76. I am JT joining me as always as ever is my podcast partner Chad. Chad how are you? Doing good. How's it going? Not too bad. Uh, excited to be back here of course talking some Monday Night Wars and I feel like we're really now into that next fully into that second year for us on the podcast. We started the show right after SummerSlam 95 when the first Nitro debuted. Um, I guess our next episode will technically be the one year anniversary of Nitro. Yeah, because we didn't do the first Nitro. But yep, yep, right at one year calendar-wise that uh, we've been doing the show. Uh, probably coming up on, what, four years our actual calendar-wise we've been doing the show. <laughs> Sounds about right. So we're going to make up that pace a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but we have an interesting uh, break tonight because we have uh, last episode we just did one Nitro due to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. Tonight we have the next week's Nitro that was again unopposed. But there is a Raw. It's a special championship Friday Raw uh, that aired on 9-6, so later in the week, opposed to this uh, Nitro. So we're going to break both those down. And I think after this is when things start to kind of stabilize. We're fully into the new Raw fall season. We're into year two of Nitro. So we'll kind of be steady on track. Uh, also coming up, though, soon for us, Chad, I think in October, is the Raw shift to 8 o'clock, which is coming uh-huh. up for us. So we'll talk about that. It's a very famous episode of Raw, the night they went to 8 o'clock that we'll get to. But You want to guess who won the uh, U.S. Open, by the way? Uh, Andre Agassi. Uh, pretty close. Uh, Beat Sampras. Okay, so it had to be one of those two. Defeated Michael Chang in the finals. Uh, straight sets on the women's side. Want to give a guess there? Martina Navratilova. Monica nah, Seles. Yeah, Monica Seles was defeated oh. a little bit after Martina's time. Uh, Venus? Or is this pre-Venus? Uh, a little before Venus, Steffi Groff. Oh, right, Steffi Groff. Straight sets, seven five six four. So that was her 21st career Grand Slam. Crazy, yeah. I feel like it was definitely more on the... Maybe there was just less stuff to talk about back then, but like I feel like you knew the big tennis stars, and I don't. I know, like who's number one in tennis overall right now? Um, I have no idea. I mean, like I've always been more golf than Scotty Scheffler is number one. I know that because I'm dialed in on <laughs> golf. Scotty Scheffler's rolling right now. <laughs> <laughs> Our boy, but yeah, I've like I've known about I, golf as these last like six months. I don't uh I don't have a clue who the number one I mean because it's not Jokovic right with his no he's, uh, yeah, he's falling off and, yeah his COVID stuff so he needs to go to lobby Eric Adams like the Yankees and mess and nets in right break through some of these other countries right. um all right so why don't we dive right in because I think we got a lot to talk about yeah so we got a good bit going Nitro off. and a raw so Nitro's uh, live here on September second nineteen ninety six from the UTC Arena. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Obviously, the campus, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga campus yep. arena. Okay. Uh, oh. held held a pretty famous pay per view. Do you know which one that is? Well, I know in your house, Final Four will be there. Okay. Uh, I'd already held one up to this point. No idea. Uh, I'm gonna say it's, it's a, a WCW one. I'm gonna say it's a Super Brawl. Halloween Havoc, 1991. Oh, oh boy. Chamber of Horrors, Halloween Phantom, and oh. Cruncher Sabisco breaks Perry Wyndham's hand 
So big, big show. There. Some good and some bad on that show. Of course. That's like the ultimate some good, some bad show. Uh, but, uh, and I, I did want to start um, mm-hmm. noting this because I know it's a thing. Uh, I wanted to see how long Babyface Hogan's in the, in the uh, intro. Mm. So he's still there. So we'll just know okay. that every week. It's like our new, our uh, additional glacier count. Like, is Hogan in the red and yellow up on the building as, that are exploding for uh, Nitro? Uh, a lot nicer looking building, of course, than that convention center <laughs> they were at last week. And what was that, Palmetto or not? Uh, um, yeah, Manatee. The yeah, Manatee, Manatee Civic Center in Lakeland, yeah. Florida. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible. So we have just under 6,000 here, though. That was 1,300 sellout in Manatee uh, Civic Center. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is just under 6,000, so much better. Quite robust crowd, for sure. All right, so we get that opening animation you referenced. Uh, Tony, Larry, welcome us in. Tony has an all-time shirt here. He's got the mm-hmm. Pueblo, like, tribute to Albuquerque button-up on, which I'm sure you've all seen out there. Like, it's it's a full – it's like one of those button-ups. It's like a heavier material-looking and it's got like it's yeah just it's like southwest art like shapes all over it yeah it's nice larry's shirt under his jacket also looks pretty uh, wild it's a little like a reddish hue so this is an odd choice from tony in tennessee like i if they were in like <laughs> el paso or so, like san antonio yeah. i could picture that look but tennessee it feels weird to have the like yeah. the southwest motif on I can go with it. It was for the country. It was like, yeah, this is, I don't know. It's like like an extra on Breaking Bad would be wearing, like walking around in the back. Yeah, true. All right, we get clips from last week of the NWO's antics. We get the arrival of Ted DiBiase and the Four Fingers that we talked about uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Larry then goes all in. He's like, we need a leader. And, you know, that could be Flair if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I like that he presented Flair as an option. Um, yeah, because you don't get that good. a lot. No, so I thought that was good from Larry, shockingly. Also potentially good, at least on paper, is our opening match as Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright, takes on Diamond Dallas Page. Tony talks about the horsemen and their attack, and seeing someone get away with spray-painting Flair's hair uh, was quite something for him. And Larry thinks Hogan kind of screwed up twice in all this with these different attacks on Flair. He's kind of saying he's like poking the bear, basically, with the horsemen. Uh, nice challenge with DDP here. We get a rematch. They last fought on June 24th, these two guys on Nitro. Wright gets a nice start. He's flying all over. Gets a big dive to the floor. I thought he looked awesome with Paige pinballing for him. We get a nice tilt-a-whirl by DDP once he takes over. And a nice power bomb as well. I think his offense continues to sharpen. Um, he, he's opening up the offense a little bit. And he's uh, just more crisp in, in everything, including his, uh, you know, his uh, bridging the moves together. Really good finish as well. We're right kicking away in the corner. Page flips him over and snaps the diamond cutter off and picks up the win. So, I, look, I like this quite a bit. I thought it was a fun sprint. Wright is, is always great in these matches. And DDP was on point as well. He's starting to vary up the, uh, the diamond cutters here. That'll be a running theme for him over the next couple of years as well. All the different variations he breaks out. Um, and I thought he had good offense and good pace. Uh, this is the type of over I prefer. You know, we've talked about some recent ones that weren't as hot um, as in the ring. And I thought this one delivered. I went three stars. Yeah, three stars for me. Ton of fun. Um, yeah, we're really getting to where DDP's taking off now. Um, his his offense is coming together. He's playing to the crowd. He's getting a good reaction. He looks less 
I guess, overall sleazy. I think just in his presentation, uh, which is helpful. And then the diamond cutter is just such a cool move that they're putting over. It can come out of any, you know, mm-hmm. can come out of nowhere. Um, and that was not something that was uh, presented very often in the big two. Right. Because right? you try to think about it, like, like everybody kind of called for their move, even like something like Jake Roberts DDT, mm-hmm. which would serve that purpose. Like he always had to do the finger wave or whatever. Right. Like sometimes he would get it out of nowhere, but usually the finger wave. You know what I think is maybe the closest would be Brett. He would sometimes he a lot of times you'd get that sharpshooter out of like different positions and different mm-hmm. positions. But you're right. Otherwise, like there's not too many other guys that would just break out a finisher out of nowhere. Yeah, it just seems cool that it's like this killer finisher mm-hmm. that that is presented in an exciting way. Um, I mean, I like Gorilla, but I've been watching a lot of like '92 lately, and even when like people hit their finishers, you know, like Gorilla would always be like, "Well, as soon as they'd start counting, be like, oh, forget it, it's history." You know, <laughs> right, like right. it would be like, "Oh, what an awesome move!" <laughs> be like, "Oh yeah, he's pitting him, and he's gonna win because he That's hit his it. finisher." So, yeah, three stars. Alex Wright, again, a very uh, useful utility player. Um, I think Wright is historically underrated. I really do. Like, I I just feel like he got swarmed under because of the talent bloated so much. Um, and I think the gimmick early on with the dancing. Yeah. Was but I think in the taking. ring, he could always go. Like, I just I feel like he deserved a much better run historically. And as we talked about, I know we did it before, like when we looked him up, he's someone that just like the fact and suddenness that he Mm -hmm. disappeared to is also alarming because he just feels like someone that would have popped up. Like TNA and stuff like that. TNA or the Indies or WWE like 06 when they brought all these random guys. Yeah, could have had some other run and just never did. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. More than was he even thirty when he left. Oh no no no, he was like twenty three here. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'll look I'll look that up just to make sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was born May seventeenth, nineteen seventy five. All right, so he's five so, years younger than me. So yeah. he's only thirty six right now. It's fucking nuts. Like yeah, he's forty six. I, mean, I, I mean I'm sorry, forty six. Yeah. Five years right. older than me. Yeah, I mean. Yep. But that's crazy. Like, you know, yeah. he, he's prime WWE main event level right now. Like, and think he's been done wrestling for like 22 years. So, yeah. Think of all the stuff like out there. I mean, I know he's done some stuff, but not consistently. Yeah, he was so. 20. He was 21 years old in this match. Wow. So, I mean, just his prospect was <laughs> compare him to freaking Dominic Mysterio right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> No. Yeah, it sucks. I wish I wish he would have done more. I've always been a fan. I've always been a fan. This is Dominic's twenty four, by the way. I wanted <laughs> to make sure. Yeah. So Oh, even comparing like fucking Eric Watts or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he was like, like way ahead of his time. Oh yeah. Right. right I mean he, he's he's gotta be older than Jericho. I'll check that. But yeah, he's I mean he's pr- probably the youngest person on the roster, maybe. I will check Hoobie too. At this point, yeah, he's at least top three, if not the yeah. youngest. Oh, way older. I mean, you forget how old Jericho was. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, he's 51 now, but yeah. like, yeah, I mean, he just had debuted and he was about to turn 26. He was still 25. Like, he right. wasn't old, but he wasn't young either. 
All right, Mean Gene talks to Nick Patrick in the aisle, and Gene says, Nick was slow on the draw. Patrick says, Gene's been stirring the pot. The committee has reviewed every controversial call, and he's still here working. Randy Harrison blew a call, but everyone's just spewing lies and worried about him only, and he's just here to enforce the law. So I continue to struggle with this a little bit because I feel like they are forcing it. But I also get that they're, like, swimming in paranoia as a company. So, it, like, it doesn't make sense that they're looking for stuff. But Gene, as usual, kind of goes over the top. I like this um, a decent amount because I thought it at least showed some growth. Um, I thought we got a little more sternness from Patrick here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also had that caveat where he was like, well, from now on, I'm going to enforce to the letter of the law. So we had a little bit more investment there. So, I mean, overall, like, yeah, like we're going to have to get somewhere sooner rather than later with this, uh, which we'll see. Like, I'll be interested to see when they pull the trigger, whether I think they went too far right on time, but. I mean, we're getting to that point. I can't yeah. exactly remember when it happens, but we're we're getting there. So this is okay. All right, we get a stretch of Gene here. Then we get him and, and Buff Bagwell, or I should say uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, showcasing denim nitro button-ups. Yes. Thirty-nine ninety-five plus seven ninety-five shipping and handling. Would you purchase this? Uh, well, Bagwell says the ladies love them. So, oh, so it's a must then. And Eric is modeling one later on. <laughs> so. Well, it is fall, so they're breaking up the, the yeah. fall wear. Yeah, I de- I, de- I like that nitro uh, graphic shirt they had last mm. week for nineteen ninety five. I think that was a better deal, more bang for your buck than uh, this denim shirt from thirty nine. <laughs> denim shirt? When was that? Uh, like, uh, when did it become unacceptable to wear denim? Shirt? My dad is a big denim shirt. Guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of the button up denims. Mm. I've never been a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so he still wears them. Uh, yeah, not as much, but well, it's just yeah, it's tough with the COVID. <laughs> not as much going out, but I would say as of like five years ago, he was still wearing them pretty heavily. So still, still in the rotation. Okay, I'm just not a big button-up guy. With like not being in the office, I never wear button-ups unless it's like the rare event that you got going on now. Um. Yeah, I I know. I'm trying to think. Last time I saw a denim shirt in the in the wild, but for my second Breaking Bad reference of the night, like it always drove me nuts that Walt always had the button down with the slacks. Like it just always seems so uncomfortable. And no matter what he's doing, <laughs> he's always wearing that outfit. <laughs> some people are like that though. Like even they're like, well, they get like home I, from some people get home from work and like keep that on all night. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I know this guy, and he's a successful, like, one of my friends, he's an administrator of a hospital. Like, when he goes to the beach, he wears a button-up with his bathing suit. Oh, Jesus. It drives me nuts. Like, it was... Yeah, I can't do it. It was horrifying to watch, but that's what he wore. The people who don't change their own from work are psychotic. Like... I mean, how can you come home and like still just keep your pants and button-up uh, on? I was guilty of that sometimes. It's awful. So I'll give it's it so a uncomfortable. Break. Yeah. I get comfortable. You're home. I don't know. I don't you want know. some comfy pants or shorts. Whatever. The work never ends, sir, for some <laughs> All right. Mean Gene's back again. He's with Colonel Parker and Sensational Sherry. Uh, Parker has a gift with him. Sherry keeps trying to get a peek at it. Parker gives it to her. He stammers about sitting on his porch swing, <laughs> talking about his future. <laughs> Sherry opens it, and she gushes because it's the new leather vest and chaps. 
And Parker says Sherry's going to uh, go into his Tennessee farm to ride his prize horse, John Henry. And he knows that she can handle John Henry. And Gene says he knows all about John Henry. So obviously this, <laughs> yes. this is a Colonel Parker dick joke on Nitro we got going on here. But um, do you think his penis is really named John Henry? Uh, I mean, I'm sure somebody had been like, you know, I can see him like swinging in a locker room somewhere and being like, get that John Henry somewhere else <laughs> or something like that. And like it's stuck or, you know, I can definitely see that. Um, I mean, this this felt straight out of the uh, PTB Christmas playbook, <laughs> this this whole scene here. So. It was something for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, Sherry's going to ride Parker's John Henry in the Tennessee farm. <laughs> here we are. All right, back to the ring. Things get even more bizarre as our tag team champions, Harlan Heat, are out. And they are taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine and Buddy Valentino. Uh, What a team. Valentine and Valentino. Do you think they did it just for that? Oh, yeah. For sure. Buddy Valentino. This guy (laughs) was the man. Why not just call him Buddy Valentine and say, like, it's his cousin or something? You're right now. He had to go as Buddy Valentino, which isn't that what the boss Baker is, or is he Buddy something else like Valastro or something like that? Who's that? Who's boss Baker? The the boss, uh, cake boss or whatever. Oh, I don't know. That's that's outside of my purview. Come on, I'm not a, I'm not a food guy, network guy. Like the only exposure I have is like to the home shows. I'm not oh, really okay. on the, the food shows. Well, I think Cake Boss is it's it's uh he's I've a, heard of Cake Boss, but I would have no clue what he looks like, what his name pretty is. Pretty sure he's a Buddy V. I don't think it's Valentino, but it's something. Buddy Valentino. Uh we also have a new referee that Tony notes. Referee Mark mm-hmm. Curtis, of course, is Brian Hildebrand from Smoky Mountain, uh coming in here as Mark Curtis. And he'll be here till he passes away, right? Yeah, yeah, he stays with the company. He's he's a really good referee. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the Smoky Mountain stuff, him uh, and the suspenders, and of course he uh, wrestled a good bit as Cowabunga in the uh, Ninja Turtle gimmick uh, versus Cornette a lot, which was uh, shockingly fun, kind of sticky matches. But um, he's always been one of my favorite referees. I actually hated him. I hated him as a teenager. Oh, what an ass. I know. I felt bad when he died because me and Jim used to make fun of him quite a bit. Be like, because he always did the, it was more the jumping, like the over-exaggerated selling. I think as a kid, we were just like, eh. like it just felt like over the top um, at that point. But I've, I've come to like him. Like I, looking back, I know it was wrong. Yeah, um, I would say in, in the history of JCP, WCW referees, him, Randy Anderson, and Little Nate is my uh, holy trinity. So there yeah, you go. that's a strong three. WCW always had pretty good refs, honestly. When you look at it, they're they're crew. Yeah, I mean Tommy Young and Nick Patrick get a little bit of a bad rap. I know Jenny doesn't like Nick Patrick. Um, I mean he has his moments. But Who's I the other guy too? Mike. Uh, Mike Eller. No, it's not Mike Keller. <laughs> it was uh, not Mike Adamley. What was his name? The guy with the mustache. Atkins. Atkins. Mike Atkins. Yeah. He was. He wasn't bad either. And then uh, Mickey J is good later. Yep. yep. Mickey J is pretty good too. Yeah. Scott Dickinson. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> All right. DiBiase. This just shows you how, like, even back then, like, the focus on just knowing the refs. Like now, who the fuck knows any of the refs are? But oh, back yeah. then, like, we all knew every ref. You know. Yeah, I forget it. 
Uh, all right, DiBiase is out again. He's in the front row. Uh, <laughs> baseball game. Uh, he sits down to cheers. Larry wonders if Ted is with the Horsemen. Uh, we talk, pick that up from last week that Bischoff is harping on. Sting, is he with the Horsemen? Is he with Sting and Luger? Or is he the fifth NWO guy? Um, so Larry says these are the options in front of us. It can't be anything else, apparently. Uh, Valentine and Valentino get a decent amount of offense here, actually. We get a big drop kick by Big Buddy. Uh, but Harlem Heat takes over from there. We get a bunch of talk about Randy Savage and his issues. And then says, uh, Tony says there's a record day of ticket sales in Las Vegas for Halloween Havoc this past Saturday. We already know that Hulk Hogan will be taking on Savage for the world title. If, uh, and obviously he'll still be champion because Fall Brawl's next. Harlem Heat wins easy from there. We a pretty game effort from the VNV, uh, but basically a semi squash. <laughs> And it was fine enough. It ate up a few minutes. Harlem Heat keep rolling. They're set to face the Nasty Boys yet again at Fall Brawl. So I want to star in three quarters. You know, whatever. Yeah, star and a half. I mean, it was what it was. Um, you know, I talked about how cool the guy that DiBiase sat next to uh, last year, last week was. Mm-hmm. This week, boy, they picked the wrong row for DiBiase to plop down in because he's in between like four kids. It almost looked like he'd been relegated to the children's table at Thanksgiving dinner. It was uh, not the best look for old Teddy uh, when he propped down. But um, I like that he came out, you know, right at the bell, gets the big reaction. Mm -hmm. And as far as the match, yeah, this was just pretty much enhancement for Harlem Heat. They did mention – that Mike Tanay would be starting to be a regular feature on the announced team as well during yes. this. So you, you can tell this was kind of, I mean, this, this Nitro had a lot of kind of season premiere vibes to it. Mm-hmm. The way stuff was kind of setting off, uh, you know, new referee, Mike Tanay, uh, we'll get to another, just the way like the second hour starts is a little bit of a transition. So well, yeah, it feels like maybe for year two they're starting to make a few few changes. Yeah, some some adjustments made. Uh, Harlem Hangover looked good on Valentino, um, so he does the job duty, of course. All right. Um, continue on. Mean Gene is back with us again. He talks to Harlem Heat, says they're ready for the Nasty Boys. Stevie calls them fat milk drinkers, <laughs> that they're sick of them being in their business. Booker says they finished them a long time ago, but somehow they have the courage to keep coming back. The Nasties come out and actually beat them up to a pretty big pop, uh, which is really the most energetic thing I feel like the Nasties have done in a while here. Yeah. Um, the crowd is into it. So I get it's they just feel like relics to me. I mean, they've been here now for over three years and like the world around them is changing. They really haven't changed at all other than going face one time, you know, like back in whenever in 95, but. Otherwise, like they're just kind of doing the same thing and they feel a little bit dated with everything changing around them. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, I do like that they uh, that they came out here to such a big reaction. Like that was nice to see because they're just like you said, they hadn't been getting that. And this was like a great crowd that um, and, and I always like that. I mean, it may not have been the most resourceful. I mean, I guess they didn't fly to Chattanooga, but it's like they just came in for this beatdown, you know, from Atlanta. So, like, this was all they did all night, I would assume. Um, But they made it count because this is a really fun brawl that they have and Spike Driver and everything looked pretty nasty. So uh, a match I didn't care about and I don't even know how many times we've seen it, but this kind of got me interested to see what the fall brawl match looks like. So right. Good for them. 
Yeah, they heated up something that really should be ice cold, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right, we get our glacier vignette. So, get that in there. Still going strong. Same thing yeah. and nothing new. Like yep. we're really like we've got a April 29th, right? Was the first one. Yeah, April 29th, the first vignette. <laughs> and I know, like the January. First January Raw, he's there. I'm pretty sure. So he's coming I mean, we, soon. He, actually, we, he does. He shows up soon. We're not okay. There. It's like we gotta be happening soon. No, it's soon. It's within the next couple, I think. So, but so it's uh, still it's still absurd. Like I mean, they this is one of those things that like seems like it's a long running joke that is like exaggerated, but it really isn't. <laughs> it really was ridiculous. And that and that also really shows that like once he debuts, like they must have a like a one or two week hype then because right you know i mean like they're not even saying like yeah. we think in october you know whatever i mean i do believe it's a, like coming it's in, in july september. i think it's in september it's, it's see that's crazy yeah so they needed to be saying, yeah, i think like, he comes and fights i think he fights bubba like with that teasing okay. that's been going on so. all right all right all right, back to the ring. We waste no time as we get Dean Malenko taking on Chris Jericho. So, you know, Jericho just debuted, and we're already throwing in some big matches here. Get some mat work to get us going, trading a holds. Mike Tanay is with us. He's talking of Jericho's resume and how these guys had never met before. Tanay talks about Jericho's dad as Malenko takes over. It's a nice brain buster. We're told that Super Kolo will face Ray Mysterio at Fall Brawl. DiBiase leaves a seat and heads out while this is going on. And we also find out that Jericho will face Chris Benoit fall brawl. So they're really going at it with Jericho here. They're running with all the big dogs. Malenko works through his offense. Snug as always. Tony says Nick Patrick has been pretty straight down the middle so far. Tony and Tanay see these are big stepping stone matches of Jericho as Malenko is a nice middle top, uh, middle rope bulldog for two. We get a good slugfest as Jericho makes a comeback. We get some good reversals from there. Dean gets a tombstone for two. And then a hot flurry by both guys as they're trading all sorts of offense until Jericho picks up the win with the victory roll, uh, which is, you know, a really good finish to a great match. Jericho's been a great addition to the roster. Uh, these guys had smooth chemistry right away, even though they've never fought. It feels like they would have at some point. Um, and this is a gem, gem stuck in the middle of Nitro R1, which just shows you, again, the loaded roster that this could just be rolled out four matches into this random Nitro. And I went three and a half stars. And you just have Chris Jericho, Dean Malenko, go, go cut it out there for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever and, and deliver. Yeah, I ended up at three and a half as well. Um, it's in between three and a quarter, three and a half, landed on three and a half. It is a hidden gem. Uh, nine minutes is what they're given. Uh, a lot of things for here. Like, obviously, this becomes a very heated uh, feud in a couple of years uh, with the world reversed and Dean is the face mm-hmm. and Jericho's the heel. Um, but I agree. Like, you would just have thought, like, between all the places these guys had wrestled up to this point that their paths would have crossed and they just never did. Um, and honestly, overall, like I was doing some cage match digging on these two as a pairing, they're kind of interesting overall because they have the long lengthy feud in 98, but even mm-hmm. after that, like that's it, you know, like no, right. not many, uh, re- re- rendezvous in WWF when they both go there, uh, in the early 2000s. So it's, it's a weird dynamic between these two, but they, they match up wonderfully here and i think malenko's offense uh looks vicious here he plants jericho with the brain buster jericho shows the appropriate level of fire like i'd always kind of perceived mm-hmm. jericho as more annoying when he debuted uh, and just straight like 
generic baby face. And I, I feel like that's the same thing that happened with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Like we thought with Eddie, I, I'd always kind of envision him like he was too grating and too vanilla baby face when he showed up. And he certainly had aspects of that. And Jericho does too, with the come on baby. And yeah, I think it, uh, it's more like the promo and the little quips than like the in ring for sure. Yeah. But um, in the ring, he can go, and it's a mm-hmm. great addition. And this is, like you said, like this is the type of match you can throw out there on the mm-hmm. first hour of a show, and your competition just does not have anything with the energy, athleticism, or feel to match it right now. So you're you're killing them when you throw something like this that doesn't matter a whole lot from an overarching storyline perspective but it's just you know good solid wrestling on tv for 10 minutes it's very enjoyable and you got mike today the answer to kevin kelly and the new fall season on raw so <laughs> that's true yeah, <laughs> uh we get a hype package for ray mysterio and super Colo at fall brawl and then we get our wcw saturday night rundown as well as Steve Mongo McMichael takes on John Tenta. <laughs> uh, Squire Dave Taylor takes on Bobby Eaton. Or is that, yeah, right? Sorry, yeah, the Blue, blue Bloods. Blood right? yep, yeah, Blue Bloods explode there. Yep. And then we also get Chris Jericho in action and Macho Man Randy Savage will be in action as well. Yeah, I thought this was a little bit of a less stacked WCW Saturday Night mm-hmm. we've seen the last couple of weeks, but I guess it does have the... Uh, full-on explosion of the blue blood so there well, is something savage I and mean, that's a that's big guy yeah i mean it's savage and like job duty but right. um the last couple of weeks it sounded pretty juicy all right back to the ring we go as the giant is here to take on brad armstrong who's all smiles coming out but maybe shouldn't be given what he's going to deal with uh tony talked about the big giant savage grudge match coming at fall brawl we talked a lot about that last week where they both kind of feel like they're in the right with their issues Larry says Giant did drop the ball at the goal line, but the goal is now to get the belt back from Hogan, and Savage's emotions are out of control with all this. Giant wipes up Armstrong with ease, chucking him around a pops. Tony says that Armstrong is a top-ranked cruiserweight, and Larry says Savage can't be WCW's leader because he can't control himself in the ring or out of the ring. We see a limo pull up outside, and Larry says it's not his. His isn't due back for 20 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. <laughs> Let's us know he ain't staying for the whole show. He's out of here as soon as he's done. Uh, I'm strong lasts a little bit longer than most guys do against a giant, but that's really because giant kind of seems distracted and kind of toying with him. Armstrong misses a missile drop kick, uh, but that's it. Cause he eats a choke slam. And that is that. Uh, so usual beat down giant shows some potential mental issues here, maybe with focus, some laps and focus going on since losing the title. I went two stars. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Two stars for me. Um, you covered the high points of the match. Um, but, uh, I think the main thing is there were some pretty cool storyline arcs here that were not totally obvious to what happened at the end of the show. So, you know, Larry kind of saying giant dropped the ball on the one yard line like that, that that was part of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tony calls the giant centerpiece of the dungeon of doom. So really hyping him up. And then just the overall distraction stuff was cool too. Like where they said like, Oh, he seems a little off his game or, you know, at one point he does like kind of like a double choke slam instead of a single. And they're like, oh, he would have just finished him off with the regular choke slam there. So I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't too obvious, though, either. So 
I really like that. Also, when the limo was shown, uh, not only does Larry let us know it's not his, but I like that they said that uh, they knew Flair was already in the arena. Yes. So it's yep. not his either. That was a cool moment because you, of course, associate uh, Ric Flair and the Horseman with limousines as well. Um, so that was a good way to uh, exude him of any uh, possible speculation that it was his limo. All right, we get a paid announcement from the New World Order. Hulk Hogan talks about the world being their stage, no sneaking or hiding in the shadows now. They're the champions. They have the NWO world title. They left the giant laying, and now all WCW will fall to them. He beat Giant for the belt, turned it into their own. Giant was crying, and days later, he beat the so-called dirtiest player in the world, too. And now he's crying, and WCW must stand for world crybaby wrestlers. In a war games with WCW's finest, their establishment will be inside a cage with them. Sting will be stung, Luger will be hung, Flair won't be there, and Arn won't be Arn anymore because the NWO is going to take care of business. You have to change with the times. They'll bring everyone up to speed. You have to take what you want. You bond together for business only. Sting, Luger, and the Horsemen did that uh, once, but one was really weak to them to see them appeasing each other now, talking about the old days. Times have changed. The NWO is going to destroy them in war games, and everything, anything less would be civilized. Uh, I liked Hogan here. I thought this was a really good... Um, paid an announcement. I thought he was locked in. Yeah, you still get the cheesy Hogan stuff that's going to come with Hogan no matter what, but it's at least meant... Playing it up as corny works now that he's kind of like this snobby heel as opposed to when he's like trying to be the intimidating face, so like the cheesy lines don't don't sting as much with this new role. Yeah, he's really working on that civilized uh, line. Tries hard on that, and just mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm curious how quick that, it it's, it's it's sounds so far straight out of the Vince McMahon 2001 <laughs> in yes. the interest of fairness playbook. Um, I I thought this was great though. I mean, like Sting will be stung, Luger will be hung, like he just <laughs> buries all these guys. <laughs> but it, he's so pompous and knowing his ego, like you know, he actually believes it, so it works. Um. This was a very good Hogan-centric NWO announcement. Yeah, really cool. All right, we get to hour two. It opens up with the limo. We get our pyro, Bischoff, Tanae, and Heenan set us up. We see last week's spray paint attack on the $5 million Turner truck, and then the attack on the horsemen, and then the takeover of the booth to wrap up the show. We then expect to find out what is up with Ted DiBiase here tonight. Get to our next match as Macho Man Randy Savage takes on Ron Studd. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool. Savage is fighting Giant at Fall Brawl, so you get Ron Studd, who's also a big dude, yep. uh, in here for Savage to prep. Tanay tells us that Ron was chained by Big John Studd, and that's why he uses the name Big Ron Studd. We see the NWO merge in the limo. Hulk Hogan says to keep him in the car, and then they push the camera away, so referencing that there's someone we aren't aware of in the limo. Stud works over Savage in the ring. Bischoff thinks maybe the NWO is afraid and no one will be impressed by their new person. I love when they always try and rationalize this stuff. Uh, Today then says Stud has been at the New Japan Dojo. Savage comes back, slams Stud, and finishes him with the elbow. Uh, not much here, but it's a good finish because you get to see Savage slamming the giant and you know hitting the elbow for the win. So he's ready for fall brawl to take on the actual giant. Star and three quarters for me, Chad. Uh, what'd you think of this and then everything going on backstage? Yeah, same thing. Same rating for me. A good tune-up. I agree. I think, uh, you know, him going through the Giants, but maybe overlooking them and they can weaken him for the Giants. Good angle there. 
Uh, all the stuff going outside is, is kind of cool. Um, a lot of intrigue with that, with the limo. Um, you know, I like that they saw the camera. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Um, right. So that was good. Um, and overall, I just thought the transition to our, like, like I talked about on our last episode, it was always cool, like, in the middle of a wrestling match, the pyro was going on, mm-hmm. the show was starting, like, you know, that, that gave the, you know, unscripted feel to it, but this, I felt, was such a much smoother transition, where, like, we had that really good wrestling match, now, like, the paid NWO announcement kind of starts off hour two, Bobby and Eric and Tanae ease us in. We get an opening match, and then stuff also kicks off for the rest of the hour, like what's going on with the limo. So all around, very well paced. All right, we get more Savage as he gets uh, – as um, Savage gets to read, congratulates Mike Tanae for officially joining the broadcast team. He wishes Halloween Havoc was tonight because he guarantees he'll beat up Hogan and take away anything he wants. He is living on the edge, and he made a deal with the Giant, who's broke his promise that he couldn't handle the pressure. He guarantees that he will beat Giant, he will beat Hogan, because he operates better under pressure than Giant did. And Savage has Las Vegas as his new home, and both men will melt under his heat. So, again, I thought it was a pretty good promo. Oh, I thought this was a great Savage promo. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite Savage promos in a while. Uh, you had a line that said, like, if you, I'm living on the edge, and if you aren't, you're taking up too much room. Like, that's a great line, great savage line. Um, I mean, he seemed whacked out here, but determined. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, Savage is always that type of character. Like, he's going to bet on himself, and he's convicted. You know, you know, he's very assured of himself. So that's always been an endearing quality and personality trait that – Savage has been able to maintain and it came through in this promo in space. Yeah, and I, I like the the way they built this up has been really interesting too. Like I think it's almost a forgotten little feud with these guys, and both mm-hmm. are right, and they both have valid claims. Like, you know, Savage wanted the match at Road Wild. Um, Giant said he would handle it. He didn't. Now the belt's gone, and Giant's like, look. I'm not the only one to let this happen, you know. Right. Um, you guys all had a role. No one fucking helped me. <laughs> like the whole NWO was out there. No one's helping me. So what the hell? You know. Now you're blaming me for all the you know, take it over. Right. All right. Back to the ring, and we get a pretty cool match here. Throw, yeah. Mentioned Super Brawl earlier tonight, but back to uh, throwback to Super Brawl one as the Steiner brothers take on Sting and Lex Luger. Eric Bischoff talks up Nitro's great first year. He takes a shot at the critics. He said Nitro wouldn't be successful. We get a big tag match here. It's always great uh, when these teams get together. But before the match starts, the horsemen run outside and start rifling through the limo. They say it's empty, so they come back in. We get a break. We come back. The match gets going. Bobby says whoever was in the limo, uh, whoever the mystery person in the limo was, must be inside the building now. And then Nick Patrick calls to the bell right away as the match starts, and everyone's pissed. Patrick says Lex Luger bumped into him. And he calls the DQ for the Steiners. Uh, I was torn on this because I really wanted to see the match. But it's amazing heat building. Um, really well done for Patrick to continue to build it. Especially after you played it straight all night. To mm-hmm. then do this. Like you are just kind of waiting for it. Sting and Luger stalk Patrick to the back. And we get a replay of Rick pushing Luger into Patrick. And Bobby says... Uh, the DQ, I think, was way too soon because, you know, Bobby's still kind of towing the line on this. Uh, but, uh, you know, a great advancement on the character and the angle. 
Uh, but again, I was disappointed because I really wanted to see the match. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but I, I did really love it. And I thought like him saying like letter of the law and then it coming to fruition was uh, very funny and very appropriate with what happened. Um, even and again, like they get the minor details right. So even with Bobby going through the replay, like he wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. But even when he sees their replays, like, yeah, I think he did call it too soon. And you know, yeah. maybe he's just paranoid or he's under too much pressure. It didn't look kosher, <laughs> I'm saying. Um, so, uh, overall, this this was really well done. And it didn't feel like the crowd felt cheated, which is important with stuff like that. Because, like, if you don't produce uh, a lot of other stuff and, like, this big match goes away, they end up going home feeling like crap. And I don't think that happened here. No, definitely not. Yeah, and there's so much more to come. This night you're so stacked too. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I guess one of the benefits of them not announcing shit in advance either, so it didn't feel like a. You know. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think we just got this at the beginning when Tony was doing the rundown. So. Yep. All right, next match, right back to the ring as the Horsemen take on the Dungeon of Doom. A uh, big pop for the Horsemen Entourage. They all come out for this big prep match for War Games. So again, I like that we did with Savage and, and Ron Studd. Now we get a four, you know, eight-man team tag team match for the Horsemen to prep for their eight-man war at War Games. Pretty well done. Uh, Bischoff says he hears this confusion going on backstage. We get this classic rivalry renewed. renewed. Tonight talks about how the Horsemen were embarrassed last week, and now they face their old rivals, the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, this is a pretty classic meme clip match as well. Because this is uh, the really messy Mongo with Kevin Sullivan. And he yeah. starts the match with it. He stumbles all over. He falls down. And then he goes to the middle rope. He jumps and does nothing. A real tough night for Mongo. And this is um, anyone who follows like any of the classic WCW or Monsoon classic type accounts. Like this is one that definitely gets retweeted quite a bit out there. Yeah, this is one of your more famous botch mania. Um, I mean, it just doesn't stop either. Like he just right. unfortunately keeps botching. Poor guy. We just talked up to how he was like looking pretty competent when he had that tag match at Benoit um, before this. Bischoff, congrats, uh, says congratulations to Kevin Green and the Panthers on the big win over the Falcons to start the season. Actually, would that have been preseason or do we already talk about this? Was this week one was early that year? We don't have to go through it again. Yeah, this is the week one that's early because actually right. on this episode, there was a Cowboys Monday night football game. So. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Falcons lose 0-1. Uh, he says that uh, Green's coming to get LT. So I think he meant in the record books, but it was a pretty subtle shot as well. Of course, Lord <laughs> Taylor had been with the Dirty F the year before. Uh, Chris Benoit is the most crisp out there for sure. We get a big you know, big change. We go from Mongo to him in the match. Bischoff says Sting and Luger are at it. And we cut to them stalking Nick Patrick. Patrick walks away from the limo, but DiBiase gets inside. So kind of a subtle uh, reveal there. Sting gets a brick and throws it through the window. And then they steal a cop car and chase off the limo. A wild moment. And a good swerve for Patrick. Because you think he's going to get in the limo, but he just kind of runs away. Just happens to go by it. Um, and I like the way they do that with DiBiase, where they keep it subtle. It doesn't always have to be in your face. Like the NWO is doing a lot of shady stuff. So we just happen to glimpse of DiBiase diving into the limo. And that's how we find out. Uh, the crowd is super hot for Flair. He's running through all his antics to clean house. We go to the back again. We see a cop calling for help on the stolen police car. <laughs> the match is fine, but it's completely overshadowed. We get some nice punches by Bubba Arn Anderson. 
Bischoff says we now know officially that DiBiase is in the NWO. We get another Glacier ad in between this match. Uh, things devolve into a shoot fight between Benoit and Sullivan as they scrap on the ground with some hard punches. We get a big hard powerbomb by Barbarian on Benoit. Flair's awesome in this match. He's all over the place, bringing a ton of energy. He's feeding off the crowd. Bischoff promotes the Muhammad Ali documentary airing tomorrow night on TNT. Today talks about Ali's history of wrestling and learning from Gorgeous George. When you get another big Sullivan-Benoit fight, a very long match here. They're filling a ton of time to the end of the show. Arn gets a nice spine buster on Big Bubba. Mongo's been quiet since that disaster's open. It's kind of been camping out. <laughs> uh, everyone breaks down into a brawl until Flair gets to figure four on Sullivan for the win. Uh, Benoit yells at woman to help Flair, and she does instead of her husband, and he wins the match through that. Uh, so the NWO come out, and we get a big brawl, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but what did you think of the actual match? Match itself was fine to good. Uh, I think it's an uneven match. There's the, I mean, it's it's entertainingly and hilarious and probably the wrong reasons, but the Mongo uh, botches are funny. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, and then Benoit does have some intense fight action that helps uh, Flair was constantly like jabbing in and protecting his horsemen, which I enjoyed. Uh, I mean, overall it, it was a fine match. It served. I think the match served as a good backdrop to everything else that was going on. So I went two and three quarter on the match. Uh, two and three quarter for me as well. Yep. Okay. All right. So, uh, Bobby leaves, of course, as the brawl goes on, he's that one's no part of this. The NWO cleans house. <laughs> Uh, the crowd is all heated up for this. The Giant comes out to a big pop. Bischoff and Tanay are pumped that he's here. Uh, giant grabs Barbarian and start choke slams him as Bischoff starts to fret. So is he just kind of taking, you know, turning on the dungeon maybe? Giant then grabs Ming and slams him. And now the trash starts flying. Giant starts high-fiving with the NWO as Randy Savage comes in with a chair and cleans house. But Hogan takes him down and they pile on him. Just a wild scene. So well done. The NWO wipe everyone out. They spray paint um, and finish with a giant choke slam on Savage. Bischoff is completely despondent. He says the balance of power has now shifted. He says Sting and Luger were decoyed out of the arena by DiBiase, which is a nice touch as well to show the um, the power and the brains of the NWO. Hogan keeps this leg dropping Savage and then paints a yellow streak down his back. That's a pretty infamous moment as well. The NWO stop by the announce table. They're bragging. They're mugging for the camera. Hogan says they got to the giant and straightened him out. There's more than just five, and now he holds up eight fingers to really hammer it home. Uh, Giant says he got a call from DiBiase at his modest house. He flew him to Florida to talk business. He walked into the massive home of Hulk Hogan and stopped <laughs> so they could spit on the Nitro logo. Giant talks about Hogan's money and his house, and uh, but then they take off because the horsemen and Dungeon of Doom come charging after them. They brawl again on the floor. Uh, wild stuff going on. Giant comes back and starts to continue to tell a story of a Hogan cuts him off and speeds shit up and basically says, look, I got Giant apart in Arnold Schwarzenegger's new movie and him and Giant mock Flair. Um, and that's that. So I thought this was an insane scene. It was wonderfully executed. I guess the only nitpick would be, you know, the Giant turn on the dungeon who are heels. It could have been more effective if he turned on a face. But he does attack Savage right after, so kind of whatever. He's always been in this weird tweener spot. Uh, but it's a classic all-time NWO moment. Uh, it's a great brawl. There's really good stuff now these guys can all touch, right? Because remember, the, the NWO held off for so long from interacting. But now that we can get these weekly fights and brawls, it ups the ante. 
And we talked about last week on Nitro how they really kind of wasted um, their opportunity one on, you know, with no competition. Here, they definitely took advantage. It was a much crisper show. The matches were better. Tons of fall brawl hype. And then this major angle at the end where we reveal DiBiase is with the NWO. Nick Patrick maybe is with the NWO. And now Giant has officially turned heel to go at the NWO. So a huge angle to close the show. Yeah, masterful stuff. Again, um, it's one I'd seen a few times. It gets me every time. Uh, and again, like we talked about, just the way they present it is so great. Like like he said, like DiBiase getting in that limo wasn't some grandiose thing, but you were about to have another really like grandiose turn and uh the giant joining the nwo so you didn't need something that extravagant like it was perfect for what it was um and giant coming through like even the stuff like i i know there's some critique like it feels like his balls get cut off like with the promo that he's not able to finish it in the announce right. booth. Um, I mean, I've always been able to retcon that by saying like, well, he knows his pegging order. Like that's right. something like, like this is somebody that kind of is a younger guy in the business, a little went over his head that could be easily persuaded. And I don't think it's that far of a reach at all that he joined the NWO here. Uh, once he, felt like his first taste of true like animosity and true like uh pushing back like with hogan beating him for the belt and whatnot. yeah yeah like hogan beat him and they didn't help him right then he right. sees hogan's mansion he, hogan dangles the movie he's kind of a wide-eyed kid maybe feels like sullivan's been kind of using him right you know, with all this stuff plus now savage you know in wcw kind of shitting on him right saying he dropped the ball and yep. it. so no the motivation is totally there for him to have turned like i don't think it felt out of nowhere at all it was a good surprise i don't think anyone expected oh yeah that. great surprise i mean like of course like history says this was supposed to be six or whatever but they didn't have he wasn't ready so I'm, i think it's a great fallback and there's so many classic moments the yellow street down savage's back dungeon of doom helping savage to the back at the end um just the way the nwo appears period because all eight of the horsemen and the dungeon of doom are fighting and then just like all of a sudden in your screen you see hall inserted and there's like this old chip from the crowd uh, as they start brawling so again i mean like this is when you think, when you close your eyes and think of like classic NWO end of show beatdowns, like this was one of the first ones, and this is still a great one that has a great turn that you know on the surface doesn't feel just like a turn to turn. Um, and uh, I'm still extremely excited to see what the next chapter in the story is. I think it tells you how captivating the product was at this point that I'm watching these and it sounds like you are too. And like completely enthralled. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, reliving it. And you're right back in the moment. Like it's just such good episodic television. They've been flawless really with the NWO story. I mean, it's just been so good and uh, so many twists and turns and <laughs> the attend the little attention to detail and not hammering stuff home has been brilliant. Like, I can't overstate how much I love DiBiase just ducking in the limo. Like, that's such a smart way to reveal it. Like, instead of having to force it down your throat, 
it's just like, oh shit, we caught him. <laughs> like that's it. Like he was caught on camera. Now yeah. we know he's with them. And then them deking out Sting and Luger, taking them out of the arena and setting up the savage, the giant turn. It's like just when WCW thinks they're maybe catching on, the NWO is like six steps ahead still. And like current day, you know, DiBiase would have done this like grandiose promo and right. probably like worn a WCW denim shirt and then like ripped it off. You know, I mean, it would have right. been something stupid. But yeah, like Patrick Kerbin to the right, like, so we still don't know with him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, probably the best compliment I can say right now is, like, we know where all this stuff is headed, mm-hmm. but when I watch WCW, like, I'm rewinding a lot of stuff, right. and right now with WWF, like, I'm ready to just, like, fast forward to 97 in a lot of ways. It's like, get me to the good stuff, so... So on one company, there's a lot of fast forward wanting, and in this company, I'm like, I'll oh, just let's just watch it play out, and I'm I'm wanting to watch the next episode right now. So it's it's very episodic still to rewatch. And it's and it's similar to where I'm at with watching ECW. I mean, a little more so because I was watching this at the time, but. I remember the beats, but I don't remember the exact positioning of everything, right? So, right, like you could—I knew Giant turned somewhere in the fall, right? But I didn't remember was this. So, even when as it's happening, it's like, oh, this may be this, this may be this, and then it happens, and it's, so it's still like a lot of it still feels first time um, for me in a way because it's like you're just reliving it, but it's been so long that it's hard to remember specific dates and times of when things happen. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're still killing it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, these, these ending promos are just awesome. Like, when the NWO is on the scene, this, like we talked about, I would say, like, we're getting more NWO commentary throughout the show. Like, there's not many segments where at least there's not speculation, paranoia, you hear stuff. But, um, I mean, it's still awesome. So. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, match of the night for me was Jericho and Malenko. Yeah, pretty easy. I don't think we've had a hidden gem in a while, so mm-hmm. it was nice to have that one. Yep. All right, moment of the night, obviously, is the Giants. Turn. Yeah, everything at the end, but kind of capped off with the Giant turning. And I went the Giants for MVP as well. I did too. Like, this is his night. I'm sure he was revved up. Mm-hmm. There's a cool moment at the very end when they walk away. Uh, like, you know, as the music's winding down, like they, when they jump down from the announced perch, mm-hmm. uh, you can see Hall whisper something into the giant's ear and kind of pat him on the chest. Um, just like, Hey, you know, like, I mean, I want to envision that that was like big man, you did good or whatever, right. you know? So that, uh, was a cool moment to see. All right, commentary lines didn't have a ton. Uh, Diamond needs to beat up someone with a smaller family. That was Larry. Maybe he has a beeper on him and it beeped. Maybe he has to go to the men's room. That was Larry. Yeah. Uh, when DBI, I think it's when Yeah, DBI that was when DBIC yeah. is leaving and uh, Malenko versus Jericho. Yeah. He makes the national debt look small. That's Larry. Yeah, that was a Wrong good one. Side. I wrote that one too. That was actually uh, more, uh, I guess, evergreen than he called too. <laughs> And then they'll be at the crossing guard station tomorrow. That was Bobby. Yeah, that was uh, when they uh, 
panned back to that police officer that was on his radio after they <laughs> right, stole right. his car. He was like, oh, he's going to be a crossing guard tomorrow. <laughs> that poor guy did look like absolutely emasculated that they stole his car, police car. <laughs> Hopefully he's just an actor. Uh, I did have one shots fired. It was uh, Bischoff mentioning Lawrence Taylor talking about Kevin Green. I think that was um, deliberate. Yeah, I didn't know if you would mention that, and also, uh, like, at the, I can't remember where he said it, but he was talking about, like, this is year two of Nitro, and he was like, all the so-called critics that said we wouldn't mm. last, or we couldn't I took that it. more as, like, a shot at, like, the pundits more than WWE. Yeah, I thought it was a pundit shot, but a shot, nonetheless. Right. Um, okay. Write it down on here. All right, debuts. We had Bobby Valentino or Buddy Valentino yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Mark Curtis, I noted as well. Yeah. Because, well, and I guess we want Mark today because he had done like special one on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Final grade. I went seven and a half out of 10. Um, this is a great Nitro. Uh, the mat, like a lot of good matches, a lot of fun stuff. It had a good flow. It was a nice bounce back from last week. Which even that wasn't a bad episode, but um, and then you get the big giant turn, so just they continue to just chug along. Yeah, eight out of ten for me. Great nitro. I kind of wanted to go back to when I rated another one eight, and it was the seven twenty nine, which also that was that crazy, you know, mm-hmm. lawn dart episode. So right. I mean, these these centerpiece nitros, and I'd remembered this one. Um, I knew it was coming. This has always been one of my favorites, and it delivered. I just think it's a great episode of television. Same. All right. Speaking of great episodes of things, uh, anything you want to talk about for the North South Connection? Um, content every day, uh, whether it's our Cronoso chronicling all the big super shows. Uh, when the, this drops, I believe we will be in uh, to probably deep into WrestleMania two, mm-hmm. uh, going through that. So uh, an interesting show to come back. That's probably a pretty good show to listen to Cronoso uh, style because you'll get your quick hits. You'll get different personalities in and out. Um, and obviously not the best show overall from a quality standpoint. Uh, I think that really helped with something like the Wrestling Classic because just doing a straight review of the Wrestling Classic with how many matches they are is very great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've enjoyed that uh, every day, um, getting a quick tidbit, uh, you know, bite-sized episodes in. uh, So not going to require a lot of commitment. But uh, good listens nonetheless. Also, um, uh, who do I want to shout out? We did get a new uh, From the Squared Circle to the Silver Screen Mm -hmm. that dropped this past weekend. So uh, that's Roger and Logan. Since Pretty much since we launched Cronoso, they've been giving you a monthly dose of a professional wrestler uh, either taking a role in a movie or you know, one of their movies, if they're well-known, like The Rock or whatever. So uh, yeah. always good, always enjoyable, give a different slant, have some interesting opinions. Uh, always a fun listen. Yeah, I also just want to call out, by the time this drops, I believe episode 600 of the Place to Be podcast should be out. If not, it'll be out soon. I want to thank everyone. Um, it's kind of where this all started, obviously, over 10 years ago now. 
11 years ago. Uh, so it, it's a cool milestone. We tried to make it a bit of a unique, different episode. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for the support over the years. On my, you know, behalf, behalf of myself and Scott. Also want to give a shout out to Steve Riddle over at placebination.com. He did these really cool um, and thoughtful look back at the Place of Me podcast by season. So he kind of looks at by every hundred years. Actually, it feels like hundred years. Every hundred episodes. Um, and he, he does different categories. Kind of talks about the different stuff that went on in that season. His favorite episodes. Some final thoughts about the evolution of the show. So it's really cool stuff. Steve uh, does, as always, a very thorough job. So uh, grateful for him to take the time to dig through the archives and kind of give a look back at the podcast. So really nice uh, work, Steve, and appreciate that. Appreciate everyone who's taken time to download, listen, share, support any of the stuff we do across all of the networks. Cool. That's cool. All right. Uh, I think he's coming for you, Chad, as a PTB podcast historian. That's what it feels like. Oh, boy. Wow. I'm I'm ready to take over that man. Uh, he can take over that mantle too. <laughs> Another thing that feels like a hundred years. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to Monday Night Raw, September sixth, nineteen ninety six, and this was on the Friday night again due to the wrapping of the U.S. Open. Uh, I believe we're still in the same spot, right? Yes. Uh, we're Wheeling, West Virginia. Wheeling. Yeah. Yep. Um. So funny show for this, uh, funny story for this. So this obviously was airing on the Friday pretty early in the school year. Um, and I remember asking uh, Andy uh, Flanagan, I'm like, you want to come over and watch this? We'll hang out and, and whatever, watch the show. And he's like, no, I'm going to, I don't know if, I don't think it would have been homecoming or semi-formal. If felt early in the year but i know it was this night and i felt like i was like oh <laughs> i feel like such a fucking loser i'm like you want to come over and watch raw he's like no I'll go to a dance with a girl i was like oh okay i'll catch you next weekend um but i stayed home and watched watch this big world title match that we're gonna see tonight uh so i don't know what dance it would have been because school would have just started Would they had a dance like the first weekend uh yeah i mean homecoming but it wouldn't have even been too early for homecoming. Dance. Yeah, I feel maybe I'm misremembering, but I there was something, or maybe it was a mixer. It was some dance, or, or like a back to school dance, or something. Yeah, it was something Possible. like that. Yeah, I just remember being like, oh, okay, <laughs> you go do that. I'll sit home and watch Raw by myself on Friday night. <laughs> but right. I was excited. Special Friday Raw. Um, we opened with a very dramatic hype package about the main event, uh, including calling Goldust a lunatic on the fringe of the magnificent. <laughs> Quite the open. Uh, this was pretty much like a pay-per-view type open. I yeah. mean, it was the same guy that does the narration, black and white. So, yeah, they kind of really at least people. they hyped it that way. Yeah. Well, I think they knew. Like they were off for two weeks. They were coming off a pretty notable SummerSlam. Um, Nitro was unopposed. Like we're heading toward a pay-per-view fairly soon. New fall season. So I think they knew they had to kind of deliver on this and not just mail it in. Um, All right. You, you think this show was them knowing they need to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that they delivered on that. I'm saying. I think but I'm saying did. even them knowing or thinking that this is what they're throwing out to. Uh, uh, have, I don't think uh, they have much more. I mean, if you look at the guys on here, like. Yeah. Top guys. Good Lord. All right. All right our announced team still Kevin Kelly, Jim Ross, and uh, I think it's just the two of them, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just the two of them. I don't know what the deal was with King because, like, they. I don't know, it was very weird. Like, I mean, we get the stuff with Henry, but. Maybe they just 
to do that. Maybe they don't want to have him announcing too. I don't know. I guess. In uh, our opening match is... Hasn't, hasn't yeah. stopped him in anything else. I mean, he's been right. involved in as many pay-per-view matches as anybody in 96. Maybe it had to do with the dubbing of, like, when they did the commentary, he wasn't available. Or That's true. Yeah. Uh, all right. So our opening match is Psycho Sid taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley in first round intercontinental tournament action. So this is, of course, the vacant title. Uh, Ahmed Johnson had to give up. Right. Rook injured him. And a uh, pretty cool match on paper. Jim Ross reminds us that Owen Hart is already advanced in the tournament. Sid is really jacked up here. Hunter has Kimberly with him tonight, his valet. Kevin Kelly shows us some clips of Mr. Perfect showing up lately, and he's been taking Hunter's woman, women, once on Superstars, once at a house show in Toronto. Uh, Kevin sends some words of kindness to Ahmed Johnson, who's still convalescing. We get a bunch of stalling from Hunter. Sid just mauls him as he gets in the ring. Mr. Perfect comes out and takes his girl yet again, and Sid effectively squashes him with a powerbomb. <laughs> Tough night for Hunter. Uh, Sid just completely wrecked him, and then Perfect takes his girl. So we'll see where the Mr. Perfect thing is going, if it's setting up a return to the ring maybe for him. And Sid rolls on to round two of this tournament. I just went a star and a half. Star and a half, too. I mean, this was pretty much a Sid squash. Um, if they weren't actively doing the Mr. Perfect angle and keeping something for Hunter going on, I would say he was on his way mm-hmm. out by what we saw here. Like, yes. Didn't feel like we'd seen him in a while, and he's still kind of trotting out the girl, which feels like a real dated concept uh, after what happened with Sable. And mm-hmm. just everything about him feels like he's just uh, m- moving nowhere fast. Um, but, I mean, they're still doing this thing with Perfect, so that gives them a little bit of glimmer hope. But as a match overall, uh, Sid, Sid's probably one of the more exciting aspects mm-hmm. of WWF for sure and feels exciting getting a great reaction from the crowd. And uh, he gives a very solid squash here and kills him with that powerbomb. Yeah, he really wrecks him with it. I, I think Hunter's punishment is coming to an end soon in the, right. the next month. So I well, remember at this point he's still kind of been um, – Basically in the doghouse. Yeah, to be honest, it's it's probably time for that. I mean, it's that was May. Yeah, so I mean, what, they punished him for four? I mean, it seems longer. It's not terribly long. Four or five months. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, he's out of it soon. Another month of this. All right, we get video from it. Johnson says he feels better. His doctor, Joel Hackett, says saving the kidney, or the kidney is still bleeding, but not as much as when it was injured. Ahmed says he could have died, but he didn't, and he thinks that's a sign from God that he still wants him here. The doctor says there is a chance he could be 100% and come back. So we'll see. Any thoughts on that? No, it's just we're getting a lot of Ahmed doctor updates, which I get, but yeah, I feel like we've been there, heard that. All right, we revisit a uh, old feud from earlier this mm-hmm. year as Mark Merrow takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, of course, Austin has won both legs of this feud so far, King of the Ring and uh, In Your House back in July. More IC title tourney action here, so this is round one continued. JR says he's going to break the biggest story of his career and of the year in the WWF. Out comes Steve Austin. Now Brian Pillman comes out. He joins the commentary table for our next for this match. A lot going on here. Pillman says he also has big news and a surprise, and he's very excited. He says he has an update on Bret Hart's return the WWF, and he talks about breaking into wrestling in the dungeon, being raised by the hearts. He has a unique bond with Brett, and Brett will be it in your house, and Brian Pillman will interview him. And all the answers to all the questions will be given thanks to Pillman. 
So interesting announcement there from the pill. Uh, he also gushes over Brett as Merrill controls early. JR clarifies he also is breaking news that's not related to the hearts. So lots going on. Pillman also breaks another story. He says Brett and Owen have reconciled. So not only is Brett coming back, but him and Owen and the family are back together. We get some talk about Austin recently wanting to challenge Brett. Uh, Pillman's pretty docile, but also a B here, but he's not being crazy. JR says Hunter, Hersomsi, and Mr. Perfect have been separated by officials. Uh, the match itself has been fine. It's clean. It's hard-hitting. Kind of just moving through it. A lot of Brett talk. Mero takes most of the match, honestly. Austin gets a brief heat segment. Uh, but it's kind of the strongest Mero's been presented in a while. Austin pulls the referee in Mero's way, and we get a DQ. So Mark Mero will advance. Austin lays him out after. Uh, so, again, the match was fine. I thought the finish sucked. Uh, it ruined what kind of brewed into a hot closing. Mero dominated, but then won soft. So I, I would have went one of two ways. I would just not have Austin in the tournament and just put someone else in here if this is what you're going to do. Or have him use a chair. Like, he gets frustrated and just smashes Mero with a chair and thinks the ref isn't looking or some shit. At least do something. Like, this is just weak. Like, he pulls the ref in front of him. Uh, and all the focus wasn't even on the match anyway. It was all on Pillman and Brett. Um, maybe you could have had like Pillman get on the apron and like try and get Austin's attention. He gets countered out. Like, I don't know. There's something you could have done besides this, but so I went two and a half for the match, but again, all the hype is around the JR teasing that he's got a story. And then Pillman saying, Bret Hart will be it in your house. Yeah. Two and a half for me. There's a lot going on. As you mentioned, um, Austin, I mean, again, him, yeah, him in this weak finish. I agree. The finish really takes us down. Um, and it's, it's the same thing like that we talked about last week with that number one contendership or the last Raw with the number one contendership yep. battle Royal. Like nobody's putting a gun to your head and putting and forcing you to put Austin in these types of matches. Right. So and if you don't want to commit to, to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're clearly trying to protect him. He's starting to get again, a little bit of a rumbling from the crowd. Like let's be smart with this. So, it's that that's just weird in that standpoint. Um, Tillman dropping the news about Bret Hart was good. I mean, I thought that was great hype. Mm-hmm. I mean, this stuff with Ross, we'll talk about. I can't mm-hmm. wait to to watch this angle weekend week mm-hmm. out because, I mean, you talk about something that comes out of nowhere. Like he hadn't it, it him being Mister Scoops and like the Ross report feels more like his WCW slant, like in ninety one, ninety two, where he was like. You know, on Power Hour, talking about you need to call the Ross Report uh, up till midnight on Saturday night for the latest and all this. Like, he he just drops this bomb, and you're left like, oh, what is he talking about? But uh, the match itself had some very good hammerlock reversals. I agree with you. Marrow looked good for the most part. Austin aesthetically had a little bit of a weird look tonight. Like, he still is not in the full-on, like, Austin goatee. Uh, he just has like a little beard and a mustache that's not connected. It's, mm-hmm. uh, he's 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 like almost there. Looks like an out of work artist. Yeah, it's 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 a weird. Uh, it's kind of a weird look. Like like if he gets the music and mm-hmm. he fixes that, like he's gonna be there. But we're, we're almost there, but not quite quite yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, just a real shoddy finish. Like that finish was terrible. Like anything would have been better. I mean, I would. If Austin's going to lose, I would go with the fact of him just waylaying Mero with the with the chair. So that would be my choice. Yeah, I think that or just not have a minute. Well, yeah, that too. 
<laughs> if you have to. But uh, I mean, look, at least stuff's happening, right? It's it's progress. Like we have some stuff happening. I definitely got duped by the JR thing um, as a as a teenager. I I vividly remember calling Jim, being like, "Oh my God, like they're coming back." <laughs> like it, it was like, "How could this be possible?" Because <laughs> the story was like on the internet, right? Um, that was circulating was, "Oh, they had an out clause." It was something like that. Like they had a clause to get out of the contract if they got offered more money. It was something, or maybe it was that if someone else came in and got more money than them, they could opt out. It was something weird like that. It was like, it felt like legitimate enough to where they were, you know, going to happen. Um, So I definitely was all in on it until we see, obviously, the glimpse. Right. Um, all right, we get our foot action slam of the week. It was that power bomb from earlier. One more dig at Hunter. <laughs> how bad? Well, how bad is that? that? Like the slam of the week. I mean, what if what if that hadn't happened ten minutes ago? Like, what <laughs> right. would you what went with? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe they have one from like last week or something on Superstars. Okay. All right, we get our King's Court now. Mark Henry jogs out as the King kind of mocks his dance, uh, you know, dance in the ring. Jr. gets a Dick Morris joke in. Always working the the current comments. Uh, King cracks jokes on Jake the Snake, as always. He uh, makes fun of the Olympics. Talks about Henry making people mad before even getting started. He says Jake was even mad when Henry stopped King from pouring the booze down his throat at SummerSlam. Henry says he doesn't like King, he doesn't like Vader, he doesn't like others in the WWF either. King challenges Mark Henry to a match. Henry says he's ready to go. But King says he doesn't want a street fight, he wants a wrestling match. Henry says everyone knows he just signed. He doesn't have the proper work. As an athlete, he knows he ain't ready, but there'll be a day. King says he should have won a gold medal for being the biggest coward. Henry grabs him and says, if King wants a match, he's got it. And King's going to get a gold medal butt kicking. Not much going here. Uh, it was fine to get Henry in the mix. Lawler was funny as always. And they're going for it with Henry. Like, they're not going to really have him train much, I guess. He's jumping right in the ring. House and him and Lawler. I guess if you're going to put him with someone, Lawler makes sense because he can walk him through the match and, you know, stooge around a bit and protect him. But um, they're going all in. This was fine. I, I agree with that, and I get that. I'm I'm just having king fatigue right now, oh, and it feels like any special attraction type match he's involved. So it's just like I'm over it. So if there's one qualm with '96 too, it's like a lot of him and a lot of Cornette. Like they're all over the yeah. shows, and and yeah. they're good. Like you know, I think you and I are both fans of both of them, but. Oh, yeah. um, but like yes, it's a lot. It's there. I mean, King is on every minute of Raw pretty much, and Cornette <laughs> has had weeks where he's like in every segment. So right, right, all right. So we'll see where that goes as Mark Henry ramps up to the ring. We go as Mankind takes on Alex the Pug Porto. Jim Ross talks about Paul Bearer turning on Taker as he leads Mankind to the ring. He says Taker was hospitalized this week due to injuries from SummerSlam. This is, of course, referencing, I believe, the staff infection that uh, almost became lethal for him, or at least was going to potentially mm-hmm. lose a limb. Uh, but he will be in the ring Monday. And uh, he says Raw now starts at 8.57. So they're going to start three minutes early to get the jump on Nitro. Um, so this is where we start to get the little battles. Of course, Nitro had had the overrun going on. So Raw is going to start three minutes early and try and hook people in. Um, to what's going on on their uh, channel on USA before, you know, prevent people from going to TNT. Maybe we have to start. Jim Ross then breaks his big news story. He says he has it a very good authority that Razor Ramon and Diesel are headed back to the WWE. Kevin kind of humors him and then just starts talking about the match. Kind of, okay, Jim, right. whatever you say. Uh, JR goes over the details again and says he trusts his sources on this. 
Mankind Mall's The Pug is J.R. Hypes' big title match. It says tickets are still available in Philadelphia, where he'll challenge Shawn Michaels. J.R. then mentions that Olympic champion Kurt Angle was recently in Stanford to meet with officials of the WWF. Mankind wins easily, just a squash to keep him hot for mind games. I want a star and a half. But again, I mean, like, yeah, kind of a throwaway Raw on screen, but they are hyping a lot, like, they are delivering a lot of angle advancement, or at least, like, topics in this Raw. Um, so, again, we find out Raw's moving to three minutes earlier. Taker's in the hospital. Razor and Diesel are coming back. Kurt Angle's at the headquarters. Like, like all this shit's, like, pouring out during this match. Yeah, I want to star. Uh, this wasn't one of my favorite Mankind squashes we've seen, but it certainly took a backseat to much. Uh, but, yeah, so they do mention Kurt Angle, like you said, so you can adjust your final grade by <laughs> a point. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean... All right, I, I guess let's get into our initial thoughts. Like, mm-hmm. with Diesel and Razor Ramon here and them having Ross announced that, like, what do you think was their goal at this moment? Was it just shock value? Or... Yeah, I think they were trying to... In typical Vince fashion went overboard with countering Bischoff's bullshit, right? So we saw that with Billionaire Ted, and this is kind of the next installment. They were, I think this was a clapback at what they felt were WCW using the like characters of Razor and Diesel. Remember that whole lawsuit? Yeah. But this is them saying, well, we still own these characters, and it's us that makes the wrestler, not the wrestler, right? So they're kind of trying to give the FU and say, we can make anyone. The success. Well, I think it'll get there. But at this point, I think it's just the shock value and trying to get people, you know, looking at tuning in to see what the hell's going on. Are these guys actually coming back? And given all the jumping and surprises going on right now, like it's possible. If you're not fully in the know, which not everyone was in 96. Sure. It's like not that crazy. Yeah, it's oh, that was overall it's just weird. It is just weird to hear like Razor Ramon and Diesel are coming back, and that they would announce it, not just like them show up. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's it's it's. I would say it's a bizarre move to announce it like this, and it's gonna be even more bizarre when we get to what the actual realization of what it is is but it's a risk for ross too because they hype the shit out of him as the insider and the hotline it's a very high risk for credibility because yeah. there's no one else like you could almost put kelly in this role right as like the brash young guy that's wanting to make a name for himself you know mm-hmm. and then even then like you know if when what happens happens he can say all right sorry guys i was duped i'm gonna stay more right. grounded like you can save face off of that or why not but, just have fucking Cornette do it? He's done everything else. You know I mean, like, true too. He's it's a Cornette type place. thing. Like, I'm going to yeah. bring Razor Diesel back, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. I think they just wanted to try something with JR, I guess, and give him, like, I mean, they are kind of lacking. Besides King, and if they were ramping up perfect to maybe get back in the ring, you know, maybe they feel like they were starting to have a hole with the heel commentator, especially if King is going to wrestle more. So maybe they saw it as, like, a chance to turn. <laughs> and have him be like a heel announcer that's wild that's so wild but yeah i mean this is just a wild segment like Mm -hmm. for a squash match it's a whole 
there's just so much going on. Not really so much going on, but so much uh, like announcements that are just weird. So, right. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely like when I think of 96, you know, I've, I've said this for years. Like, I think of it as a kind of throw the shit against the wall year. And 97 is very similar, too. This, to me, is where it starts. Like, this is where we start to see a lot of just random shit come up um, in this new fall season where there's, like, a dramatic shift in thought process and presentation. And it may take them a while to get there, but you can tell they're starting to maybe panic a bit. Like, they're starting to feel the heat. It's been a year. Nitro's kind of basically surpassed them. It's clearly presentation wise way ahead of them and you can see them start to try different things and it's going to start to be more and more where they're trying to throw shit against the wall we're going to get the tough man stuff soon we're going to get the new raw set up within the next six months you know so it's like it plus of course all the stuff with ecw like right there's a lot of stuff coming um where you can tell like they're starting to realize they got to do something quick and Bret Hart seems like he's coming back, so yeah. like, like there's a lot yeah. of shit that they're trying to pull. Yeah, they're trying to line a lot of yeah. And the angle stuff's interesting too because it's right after this he shows up at ECW, right? ECW, yeah. I mean, like he was making the rounds. He was shopping in, yeah, he was shopping himself essentially. All right, we get clips of the WWF at Toronto CN Exhibition where we see Sid having a tug of war and losing to an elephant. <laughs> Angus. Uh, yeah, Angus the elephant. Yeah. Uh, Sid then teamed with the Special Olympians and won the big rematch against Angus, which was cool. Uh, we did see clips of a meet and greet with superstars and eventually a special live event on the softball field featuring uh, a very special appearance by Roddy Piper. Which Unbelievable. Yeah. Was interesting timing given uh, it's not less than a month away or so that he's going to be elsewhere. So, about about a month, a, month and a half, he uh, finds his way to another event. So, <laughs> so. interesting. Piper for prime minister, he says. <laughs> Always. All right. Speaking of throwing shit against oh, the wall, the bizarre, Bob Backlund is in the ring. Uh, who's been, of course, been uh, popping up here. Campaign. He says he's bringing in a man to win the WWWF championship. Oh. But first, he's going to bring that man's mentor to the ring, his trainer, a man that he had an abomination for, but now respects him tremendously for what he's done as both an amateur and a professional. And out comes the Iron Sheik. Sheik says, uh, talks about coming here from Iran, and that it's a pleasure to work with the great All-American like Bob Backlund. She talks about being a world champion and an Olympic star for Iran and the United States, and then they just cut him off yeah. and go to break. Um, so what, what do you think of this big pairing of Bob Backlund? Well, it's, it's, it's just too much crazy. Like, I hate to say <laughs> it, but there's it's too much just gibberish here. Um, you know, Ross says, like, Sheik's promo should be closed captioned and that's oh man like when Bob was giving his promo I was like oh here we go and then I knew who it was but still I was not prepared for Sheik's (laughs) promo and I will never say anything bad about fall of 96 Bob Backlund I'm warning you now Um, I could take relief Sheik and especially who they bring in but Backlund is amazing in all this just the whole package to me is just, it's too much. And Backlund, like, saying this is what's going to lead him to the WWF championship. <laughs> it's like, do you really believe that? But I don't They should have had him bring in Razor Diesel. That would have been yeah. just as bad shit. Yeah, but who knows? It's just I, I don't, weird. I think the problem is they try and make this real. Like, Backlund and Sheik should have managed some fucking insane person. 
that was played for jokes. Like instead yeah. of, but I get it. They're both former world champions. They have a great legacy. So you think that would maybe translate, but they just they're both out of their fucking mind. So it's like you're not gonna really get like a serious contender with these two nuts at ringside. You know, Backlund wearing sunglasses saying he can't hear if he takes them off, and like, like all this other crazy shit. Um, it would have been played better if it was kind of like for jokes. Right, I agree. Yeah, I mean, especially and this is another one like, but we got a lot of like chess setting pieces mm-hmm. here in this episode, so. We'll we'll see when the big reveals happen if that changes our perception. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy this much at all. All right, we get our ad for superstars moving to USA for the new fall season starts on nine twenty one and uh, nine twenty two. So the fall season starts that weekend. So Sunday morning superstars, I believe it's going to move to Sundays, uh, or maybe no. it's still Saturday for a bit. It might move to Sunday later. Um, but either way, it's going to USA. So big change out of syndication yep. brings us to our main event as Shawn Michaels will be challenged by Goldust who won the battle Royal stocks out with Marlena. Big night for him. Uh, we get an inset promo from Undertaker who gets Goldust to get it in your house, the finale and their trio of fights. Shawn is led out by Jose Lothario. They come to the ring. The champ gets mobbed uh, by female fans. Pretty great, uh, pretty, not great, definitely not great. Pretty good start. Goldust attacking during the intros. <laughs> Michaels cleans him out and then finishes posing. Uh, we see the cover of the big Playgirl magazine shoot. Yeah. says, officials were not thrilled with this. Um, <laughs> and it now costs, did he say $936 on Amazon? Was that right? Oh, I don't know. I didn't, or did I I miss, didn't catch that. Did I mistype this? Mm, you might, that might be your search history once you saw this. <laughs> oh, you're right. I looked it up, I think. Did yeah. I look it up? Because Amazon would have existed then, right? I wouldn't have thought that Amazon... If it was, it would have been very primitive. Maybe but... someone told me that as I was talking about it. I don't know. It's oh, a note okay. in my notes here that says, this this Playgirl now costs $936.35 on Amazon. I don't really want to put Shawn Michaels' Playgirl in my cachet. So. <laughs> Please. It's a lot worse. <laughs> Goldust takes over pretty quick and is aggressive in his offense with a nice stun gun. Sean bumps around like crazy as usual. JR says Mankind has stayed in the arena to watch the match. Pretty basic offense by Goldust, but he's executing it crisply enough. Mankind's stalking around the basement, says he has a surprise for the sexy boy. Michaels eventually makes his comeback. Again, been solid. Just not a lot of excitement. It's just the usual, right, on Raw. Um, It's proficient, but Goldust definitely feels like less of a threat as well uh, than he did earlier in the year. We get a good near fall on a Michaels crossbody into a Goldust power slam. Uh, we get a, a pretty good in-your-house ad during the break. Marlena runs some interference, but Goldust can't finish, and Sean gets a moonsault for the win. Mankind comes out, but Michaels escapes both him and Goldust. Uh, so, again, rinse, repeat, usual, fine title match. Goldust feels a little bit washed, uh, for sure, even though what, we're a little less than a year into his run. It already feels like he needs a change of some sort. Just the energy is just not there. After you watch WCW live, like compare the ending to these two shows. <laughs> you get gold, you know, Goldust versus Michaels in this very paint by numbers match. And on the other channel, you have this wild brawl with the giant turning heel, the NWO, the hottest act of wrestling. Like it's it's not even close. Um, so I went two and three quarters. Whatever. Yeah, I was. Like I was Goldust match. I was even less two and a quarter. Um, yeah, like I mean, compare that. Them final shots. Like on one, the heels outsmarted mm-hmm. the faces. Here, like, 
the baby face outsmarts two hills by like basically using this speed and quickness and scurrying away. It's it's a weird dynamic and I don't know. And this and this match had some editing issues as well as mm-hmm. we go to break, so we missed the heat. Like I actually liked a good bit of the work here to a decent amount, like two and three quarters, three star, maybe low mm-hmm. end three star level. But we miss a lot of the heat Goldust does. Now, as we know, Goldust is not above, you know, doing a very boring chin lock or something else. So that may not have been exciting. But, I mean, we don't know because when we come back, it's right into him, you know, Sean making his comeback, about to go for sweet chin music. And then the curtain call gets reversed. And it seems like he's using that moonsault more, Sean is, because that's how he beat Vader. And now he beats Goldust here. Um, and I agree, like Goldust from at the beginning of the year does feel like he's firmly in that icy title kind of grouping, not yes. the world title grouping. So it feels like between this Lost and a little bit, well, it feels like between this and you can see the painting of the wall, right? He's, he's going to the paint, the writing on the wall too. He's going right. to probably lose to Undertaker. Right. So it's like, right. Those two combined feel like the end of him as a main event guy for sure. Like, agreed. you know, it, which makes it even more questionable that he beat Mero at SummerSlam. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's just a weird, like, few weeks for him here. Yeah, it is. But I don't know. They just seem a lot like they have guys. Just, everything just seems a little off. Uh, hype for the, the mind games main event, too. It's just not. Like the last thought you or last soundbite you heard on this show was why is Paul Bear smiling? Like, right. Who gives a shit? Like I don't know. Like well, we still got two more raws before that, so I'm not yeah, gonna say like they had to go hard right. here. Well, I, I I need something more than Foley running out. And, no, know, I, I agree like because they haven't like they do seem more into Mankind Taker. And Sean almost feels like an afterthought in the feud, for sure. Right. So, we'll see what they do. All right, let's get to our awards. Uh, match of the night, by default, I just want Michaels and Goldust for me, but... Whatever. Yeah, I did Austin Marrow. Uh, the moment, I, I went with Jar's announcement. Um, like, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a pretty big moment in WF history, I guess. Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest moment, for sure, on this uh, raw MVP. I, I just went with mankind. I mean, he won the squash. He was focused on the main event. Uh, oh, who did I even want to go with? I need to look at my thing. I can't even remember who I, I didn't think I had one. Uh, let me see. I mean, oh, Austin. I did yeah. Austin. I mean, he, you know, he's gaining momentum. So Pillman, nice. Pillman was good too. He could have been. Yeah. Here. Yeah. All right, some uh, quotes. It is the Dreyfus answer to Hurricane Fran, destroying everything in sight of JR. King doesn't respect anyone unless it's Elvis Presley. That was JR. <laughs> you know what Jake the Snake and the Olympics have in common? They both got bombed. That was the king. Oh, yeah. That was that was, that was a rough one. Uh, and I thought Iron Sheik was at a home somewhere. That was that was JR. Mm-hmm. So, big JR night. Uh, no shots fired. Uh, debuts. I went to Alex the Pug Porto and the Iron Sheik. A couple of luminaries. So you're not you're not calling Razor and Diesel returning as a no. We gotta see them once they're on screen. Once they're on, okay, they gotta be. All right, and then I went uh, four and a half out of ten on the grade. I mean, 
below average raw for sure but at least like shit is happening and they're like you know a lot was jammed into this hour so i'll give them credit the big names were on the show no matches delivered but they did a lot of stuff and talked about a lot of stuff you had the the brett announcement you had the razor and diesel announcement so like stuff is occurring on the show it could have been a throwaway and they they didn't make it a throwaway there's more stuff happening i went five out of ten um i don't know like with raw and wwf in general right now i just feel like for the past few months there's been a lot of meh you know not as bad as fall 95 but right meh. but yeah i mean this again this is tough with retrospect because i can see being excited and actually buzzed a little bit coming out of the show Saying like, oh, you know, Razor and Diesel are coming home. Especially if you turn the channel and saw what happened with the beatdown. Like, think about that. Like, or that that previous Monday. That's right, because these weren't even going head to head. So think about that. Like, you could have seen that huge beatdown on Monday, and then Friday, you hear like, oh well, Razor and Diesel are coming back in the fall. Um, God, I didn't even really. That, that didn't even register with me as much that these were not going head to head against each other. So that's right. crazy too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, there's stuff happening, but the payoff may not be the best. We'll see. All right. Best show, uh, Nitro, clearly. Nitro. Yeah. Uh, this may be a close sleep. So, best Jericho show, Malenko. Nitro. Jericho Malenko. Giants turn. Giants turn. Nitro commentary. Nitro commentary. I thought they had a good week. Even though I did like the film and stuff. And I, I think Kevin and JR were fine too. Yeah, I think Raw's commentary has been fine. But uh, Larry wasn't annoying this week. Bobby wasn't annoying this week. Even Oakland wasn't as annoying this week. So good week for Nitro. Uh, giant star of the night. Agreed, yeah. Giants. And then Nitro. Uh, as far as ratings. I'm assuming. <laughs> It's uh, an interesting rating, so they got a they they uh, they ended up with a good rating here. Um, so uh, they did a four point two last week. They, this week they did a four point three. Mm-hmm. So so very nice rating for them. They had to be happy about that. Uh, Raw Championship Friday though did really good, three point four, oh, okay. which is better than they've been doing head to head. So 3.4 for them was the highest rating they'd had since 513. So. I mean, and that's, you know, on a Friday at 9, like, that's not yeah. a great time slot. So. No, a lot of like, people skipping the dance. Pretty good. A lot of them skipping the dance. <laughs> yeah. That's a good rating for them. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. So that'll do it for us, Chad. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks looking at uh, back to head to head. So. We'll be at 9-9, and that is the go-home for Fall Brawl. So for those that do know their WCW history and timeline, we'll know that's, uh, I believe, to be a pretty big episode of Nitro we'll be covering um, there, or at least, you know, something big happening. So we'll cover that, and we'll continue to see how Raw matriculates toward in your house. So until then, everyone take care. And take it on the other side.